the unluckiest ever result in Premier League history. And it is a penalty to Manchester United. Bruno Fernandes has scored his last 17 top flight penalties. Make it 18, make it three points to Manchester United. I kind of felt a little bit guilty almost for half a second this morning before I just fell back into a sleepy stupor. Tom, do you agree? Unlucky or not? Uh, no, I don't think it is fair. Uh, I think that Brighton played very, very well. Um, and I've said for a while now uh, that I didn't feel Brighton would be anywhere near relegation trouble because they can score goals. Today they disproved that theory, but they did prove they're a very good football side. But look, people who say Brighton are unlucky, the target that you are aiming for with the football is the bit below the crossbar and inside the posts. If you hit the post or the crossbar, it's not a good shot. Like, Leandro Trossard played well. He should have scored five goals in the game, but he didn't. So, look, I don't think Brighton deserve to lose, but people say it's unlucky. I think be more clinical in front of goal and you win the game. But I think they forgot the most crucial element of football. The good news is the referee remembered that moments after the final whistle, no game is complete until Manchester United get a penalty. And so when we all remembered that, we got our spot kick and we got our Manchester United win, which I'm sure made you very, very sickeningly happy. Tom, always been a big fan of VAR. Told you that right from the very start. <laughs> I love when a VAR thing happens. Uh, and I'm going to take the audience behind the curtain. Whenever something happens to do with VAR, I get a text from Martin saying, I love VAR or I hate VAR. I get about 10 a weekend. Was that a penalty? Yeah, 100%. It's 100% a penalty. The only issue for me is that it came in the epilogue of the match. Like, that that concerns me, because once you've blown the final whistle, we should be done. If that's not the case, then I think West Ham should get a penalty from the 2005 playoff final when Michael Carrick was fouled in the last minute, right? That wasn't given back in 2005. Can we go back? Is there a statute of limitations on penalties now? Like, that was a penalty, but you blow the final whistle, mate. That should be it. And I, I, Danny Higginbottom texted me after the game saying, yeah, but the action of the handball was during match play. Though that's true, he's blown the final whistle. That's the end. It's over. It's finished. It's kaput. So I don't think you should be allowed to then go, actually, what happened? Oh, let's go back to it. Because then the way the rules work is, if Bruno Fernandes had struck that penalty and the goalkeeper had saved it, Anyone turning in the rebound, it would not have been allowed because that kick is seen as the last touch of the game, which in itself is insanity. So there's a lot to digest from it. Never seen it before in my career. I've never seen it happen, certainly in English football. It was a penalty. The laws were followed. But as is so often the case, the laws aren't asked. With the six months lockdown that Boris Johnson has now reimposed, what is it going to mean for the sport? Uh, rugby clubs are saying that they're going to go to the wall. Financially, what are the stresses yeah. going to be involved? And also, is there any prospect of any fans at all this season? Well, it's, 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 it's frustrating. And I know that you and people listening will know how frustrating it is as well. But I've been to football clubs and spoken to football clubs around the UK, and they have put money into building COVID-safe grounds. And that means they've got one-way systems. They've done test events where you've got appropriate social distancing. You can go in a group of six to watch the game in the pub. You can't go in a group of six to watch the game outside with distancing around you. That doesn't make a great deal of sense. And clubs, as long as they have a way of you entering the stadium from an open place, it's not like going through a turnstile and you've got space and it's open and you're outside. There's no reason I can see that that's as safe or less safe than going to the pub or being in a group of six. So 
I don't quite understand that. You're absolutely right. Clubs cannot afford to stay closed. Uh, I spoke this week to the CEO of Lake Norian, Nigel Travis, and he was telling me that they, could, they lost £150,000 from not being able to play the Tottenham game because of the COVID test. Of course, they only took the COVID test because Tottenham paid for them. The EFL aren't insisting on that. And they're losing uh, £250,000 to £300,000 in gate receipts uh, from this season. They cannot afford that loss. Uh, and that speaks to clubs from Championship, League One, League Two, National League. It speaks to Rugby League, Rugby Union, hockey, netball, everything. And so they need to find a way to get supporters back in. The fact that they had a whole plan, like in this country, like it's no secret, I, I hate Boris Johnson as a person, as a prime minister, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust him to run my bath, let alone run the country, right? Um, but they were pushing people to go back to work. I was being told, get back on the train to work. Uh, you have to... Save central London. You've got to save offices. Save Pret-a-Manger. Um, and then six days later, they said, yeah, don't go to work again. It's not safe and stadiums are closed. Now, they changed the, the plans on a whim. So because of that, I expect there to be some pressure from the fan groups and the clubs to get fans back in. But there's such an indecisive bunch, the people that run the country that we've got. They're completely incompetent and incapable. So who knows? Whatever the worst possible scenario is, they will find it. And then they'll get elected in four and a half years to do it all again. Finally, Tom, transfer window is next week. Is there a flurry of activity expected? I don't think it's going to be a spectacular transfer window. I don't think for anyone apart from Chelsea and the oligarch Sugar Daddy, there's been a, a much business day in the transfer window for obvious reasons. I think people are being naturally cautious. There are clear deficiencies in a lot of teams. So the whole thing is a mess. I expect some deals... Nothing extraordinary, and if there is to be something extraordinary, it's sugar daddy money. It's sovereign wealth fund money, because the clubs are, uh, are unable to raise the funds. And certainly below the Premier League, and certainly below the elite level in Europe, where they're getting decent TV money, there's not going to be a great deal of business. And maybe that's led to the chaos of the start of this season, because all the teams have got obvious deficiencies. They patched their way through in the project restart, and because they've not been able to make wholesale changes, they've still got the same problems. So everyone's problems have been laid bare and not fixed. And that's led to four threes here, three threes there, five ones over there. I say close the transfer windows forever. This is much better. Devlin. Tom Rennie with us, 19-2. Thank you so much for that. Uh, wins for Everton, three out of three, topping the table at the moment. Uh, West Brom and Chelsea are drawing. And the big game is Liverpool-Arsenal, and that happens on Tuesday.